Welcome back to the Riff Music News Podcast. I'm your host, Uni Mojica. So happy to have you back here again for our third episode. Today, before we get into our very special interview, I'm just going to go over a couple of headlines that have been going on here in the jazz world. To start off, after the musical juggernaut Roy Hargrove's unfortunate death, Roy Hargrove's musical celebration has been moved to Jazz at Lincoln Center. Trumpeter Roy Hargrove, who recently passed away at the age of 49 on November 2nd, 2018, will be honored with a musical tribute on Tuesday, January 8th in Jazz at Lincoln Center's Frederick P. Rose Hall on Broadway and 60th Street in New York City. Doors will open at 6.30 p.m. and the event Will promptly begin at 7 p.m. and it is open to the public. Originally the event was scheduled to be held at the Cathedral of St. John Divine and the celebration of Hargrove's life and work will be instead take place at Jazz and Lincoln Center. If you would like to make a donation to offset the, char- the cost of the event you can make a donation at jazz.org and you can find more information there as well. In other news, Miles Davis' documentary will be premiering at the Sundance Film Festival. The documentary will be called Miles Davis, Birth of the Cool, and is directed by Stanley Nelson. Miles Davis, Birth of the Cool, a documentary about the famed trumpeter and bandleader, will debut at the Sundance Film Festival, which runs Tuesday, January 24th through Sunday, February 3rd in Park City, Utah. The movie is directed by the respected documentarian Stanley Nelson, who previously helmed the four-time Emmy-winning Freedom Riders, among many others. In making the film, Nelson actually had full access to the Miles Davis estate, and Birth of the Cool contains some footage that has never been seen before. Along with studio outtakes from recording sessions and interviews with such luminaries as Quincy Jones, Carlos Santana, Clive Davis, Wayne Shorter, and Ron Carter, to name a few. So be sure to check that out. Recently, in late November, the winner was picked for the 29th Thelonious Monk competition. 2018 was a remarkable year for the Thelonious Monk International Jazz Competition. Held December 2nd to 3rd in Washington, D.C., it marked the return of jazz's most prestigious contests after a two-year hiatus and delayed the 30th anniversary celebration for the event, which began in 1987. It was also the last iteration that will bear the name of Thelonious Monk. Its organizer of the Thelonious Monk Institute will rename itself after pianist Herbie Hancock, which is the current chairman on January 1st, 2019. And for the first time, an Israeli musician, pianist Tom Oren, walked away with the top prize of a $20,000 scholarship and contract with Concord Records. 
m'a joint côté pour me incredible special guest who also happens to be a great friend of mine. He is a New York City-based bassist, band leader, composer, and producer who is releasing his first debut album, Jonathan Michelle. Hey, y'all. <laughs> Welcome. Hey, hey. What's up, Uni? How you doing? Chilling. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, feeling excited for this record coming out. Man. Yeah. yeah. So excited. Thank you for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. It's going to be dope. Really excited. So, Jonathan Michelle, if you have not heard of him, is a Connecticut-based bassist who then hailed his way over to Philadelphia and then in 2010 came over to New York City. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, man. CT. (laughs) Represent, yes. Um, so, John, you are releasing your first album, which comes out December 5th? Yep, December 5th. Or has already came out. It came out, yes. <laughs> it came out a while, a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yes. So, the the group and the album is called MDR, which is stands for the band members in on the album right yeah well it's i mean it's a very i guess for me personally it kind of describes like a sound and it happens to be that the three of us are like the base of that sound you know yeah and um it also brings a level of like mystery to my thing like what does that mean for sure because when i <laughs> when i first um started looking at the album i asked myself I was like what is mdr <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah. um the musicians that are featured on the album want to oh, talk yeah. about them uh, sure i'd love to um so the m is michelle that's me i play bass and i am the ringleader um the d is jeremy dutton this great drummer from Houston, Texas, mm. um, and uh, he's really great. <laughs> uh, and uh, Joel Ross is the R, and Joel's from Chicago. He plays vibraphone and piano, and probably drums too. Um, but in this group, uh, on this recording, he's playing vibraphone. Awesome! I love Joel Ross. Yeah. How did you? So how did you get? linked up with these two musicians. I'd actually never heard of um, 
Jeremy before. Oh, yeah. Previously than this. So this is actually pretty interesting. Years ago, Jeremy and I met a very, uh, a while ago, probably early on in both of our times in New York. Um, we were at the, we met at the Jazz Gallery at like a random jam session. Oh. And we played a blues with Vijay. I remember that. Nice. And I didn't really remember it until the record, the last recording session for this. And I was like, oh yeah, man, remember that time? He was like, oh yeah. <laughs> um, and then, but then we actually did, we didn't play for a while. And then as I was uh, beginning my residency at Smalls, hosting the session there, um, Theo Hill had recommended Jeremy ah. for a hit. And I was like, oh dope, this guy's great. And somehow shortly after that, probably like a, a few months after we'd played a few times, um, I ran into Jeremy with Joel. Uh, he was with Joel, maybe at Smalls, maybe somewhere else. And I was like, man, we should play. They were like, yeah. I was like, cool. So one of the next dates at Smalls, they were both available. They were both at the new school at the time. Oh, okay. So they were a lot more available than they are now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, man, we got together, we played. We probably had, through, in the in the year that we played at Smalls, um, we probably had like three or four like rehearsals where we kind of like played through some stuff, yeah, and kind of like conceptualize some things. But man, most of it was just playing at Smalls, you and know, hitting there. just hitting and like kind of making things work, and me just kind of like working through my opinions about how music should be presented. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. And then it kind of became became a sound. You know? That's one thing that um, I really enjoy about you being a band leader because I've been, um, well, we booked you at Dizzy's. Right. And that, when you did your late night session there, like it was really apparent how you focus on presenting your music in a certain way yeah. and the arrangements that you have and everything like that. So you feature Joel and Jeremy, and then you also have a couple of special guests. Yes, I do. I do. Um, Melanie Charles is on the record. Mel is Melanie. If you don't know yeah. who she is, you should just put those two words into Google and have fun. <laughs> um, but, yeah, she's on the record. She's singing two songs. Uh, There's that Haitian connection. The Haitian that's connection there too. that's yeah. there for sure, for sure. And uh, we we explore some of that. And then um, Josh Lawrence is on the record. Josh trumpet is player. someone, yeah, trumpet player who I met in Philadelphia. We met in Philly, and then um, we we have played together in Orange's uh, big band, Captain Black Big Band. Oh, and then yeah. I've played in his band a couple of times doing some various things. Um, yeah, we, you know, we've just been kind of playing together on and off since probably like 07, mm -hmm. you know, and... Um, Which track is he featured on? He's is that on, the first one? He's on the first one, and then he's on the interludes as well. Ah. He's, you know, there's some trumpet on those too. Um, what made you gravitate towards his voice? Uh, man, I think because it it, it just it just kind of made sense. Like as we were, as Orton and I were like putting the personnel together, he was like, man, what do you think about Josh? I was like, oh yeah, let's do it. Mm -hmm. You know, and then when we got to the studio, I was like, oh yeah, this is why we call Josh. Yeah. You know, because it was like, because yeah. I, I wasn't really super sure of what I was looking for. And he was really flexible 
You know what I mean? Um, and then he just nailed it. So it was, so, it was great. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned Oren, and Oren is the producer of this record. Mm-hmm. And the record is being released on Imani Records, yep. right? Yeah. Um, so how did that relationship come about, aside from you being in Philly and him being your mentor? What made you, when you said, oh, I want to make an album, how did that project unfold with it be with you choosing Imani Records specifically. Well, it unfolded because it didn't go down like that. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's me assuming. <laughs> yeah. So no, that's that's that sounds great. But actually, what happened? Um, the real is, story. Yeah. <laughs> so we'd been playing at Smalls for a second, and um, I was like, man, we should we should probably record just like because I never do that. You know, mm. like I, I've have other people that I've played with for years and we never like cut anything and I was like man we should just record so we did a session we actually did a session at the old uh TRR studios like at, oh in and Weehawken and, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we cut we did a session there um and then we did another one like we were like oh that's okay let's do let's do something else so we did uh recorded with Zach Brown when he had a studio up in Harlem called Darkfire. Oh, I never heard that. Yeah. So um, some of that session actually made the record. So then, I don't know, maybe like a couple weeks later, Oren's calling me, kind of like checking in, and he's like, oh, um, we're going to get Imani Records going again. I want to put out your album and Caleb Wheeler Curtis's album and J.D. Walter's Whoa. album. And I, I was mean. like, okay. He's like, yeah, yeah. So like, you know, Put a band together, you know, get some music. And I was like, well, man, I actually kind of, like, we got two sessions down, you know? Wow. And he's like, oh, let's do <laughs> let's do one more. Let's do one more. He hadn't even heard the stuff yet. And he was like, oh, let's just do one more and let's get some special guests. And then we'll go back and we'll check everything out and we'll just, and you'll just pick tracks, Dang. you know? So that was it. That was. The pieces just fall the, in line. They, they just kind of fell in line with, like, something that's like, I, lo- I love this group this grouping, the three of us, because I feel like Jeremy and Joe could play anything. Oh, man. You know what I mean? So, like, most of the time, it was just me being like, oh, let's do this wild thing. You know what I mean? Let's yeah. play Let's play this song in a way that it's never been played before, and I never actually even thought about it until, like, 15 minutes ago. But let's try it. You yeah, know? you have a knack for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I'm like, ah. And, and, and I feel like Joel and Jeremy... They process those th- that differently. Like Jeremy's more on the side of like, oh, this crazy ass, like, you, you know. <laughs> and Joe's like, ah, all right, cool. You know, he's like, really, he just. They, so then they both get into it, really beautifully, really aggressively, and it's it was fun. Yeah. It was fun, like listening, hearing this as like the final final product of where we started. So when was the first? session like when did you start recording so we started recording in 2016 like the fall of 2016 yeah that first session. maybe like late summer we did the first session yeah and then the second session was in the fall for sure and then 20 in the in february of 2017 we did the actually imani records yeah with orin yeah yeah producing it that's dope so let's get into this track list yeah. that you have. Sure, um, sure, sure. Uh, so the first, the first track is uh, traditional Haitian 
folk song? Is yeah, that the right way to call yeah, it? that's 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 a good way to call it. It's it's an interesting song because it it can have many meanings. You know, it's kind of like a, it seems religious. Lutba is is a title, which means the other side, mm. which already starts like spiritual. Yeah, ooh. <laughs> Very spiritual. <laughs> which which has like a real spiritual vibe to it and that's what it is you know it's like um it's it's a the lyrics say translate loosely to like i'm just like a person here in the world i'm poor i got nothing but i know once i get to the other side my father is gonna hook me up mm. you know i'm gonna be cool like i just gotta you know i'm going to my dad's place on the other side i'm not gonna be tired i'm not gonna be hungry no wow. suffering you know what i mean yeah yeah and it's an interesting song for me because that song the way i grew up in my culture i grew up not only haitian but in the protestant on the protestant side yeah so that sounds really like a worship song you know what i mean mm -hmm. like that, that would really fit gospel right but hey, then, like haitian gospel right but i hear it a lot on the other side or were they what they what some would call the other side of the religious which is what we refer to as voodoo, you know, mm -hmm. which is like a bad thing, but it's not. But it's not quote unquote, because you can see my European voice. culture labels it as such. Right, right. <laughs> but, you know, and I, what I see, what I felt more was the connection between those two sides. I think there's a lot of, because of European stuff and Christianity, yeah. this division, but actually we're, everything is way closer. Mm -hmm. And, I think we're all talking about the same thing, and yeah. so um, that's the, some of, that's one of the songs that Melanie is on, and she kills it, and I'm really excited. It's, I can't wait to hear that. <laughs> uh, really great way for the album to open. Um, that one was actually mixed by Anthony Tidd, and he did a really great job oh. on that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, mm. I think you, I think people are going to enjoy that one. Yeah, and then you pay, and then the next track you pay ode to um, Bobby Hutcherson. Yes, bees. yes. So Little Bees, we did uh, right around the time that uh, Bobby passed. Um, Joel had said, man, we got to do something for Bobby on this. I was like, yeah, cool, let's yeah. do it. And um, there were a couple of different things that we kind of played around with. And then we were like, nah, man, let's just do, let's do the hit. Let's do the one everybody loves and knows mm -hmm. and just put a little sauce on it and and we did. It's um, I, we picked the one from the second session. Um, that was a really dope session. Zach did a did a really really great that's job on that awesome. session, and that's that came out really nice too. Yeah. Then we have Hayes, which who's the um, the writer of that song? So Hayes. That's right. So you'll hear on the record. Um, why it's listed as Jeremy writing the song? Uh, I guess that's. Is it like his arrangement? No, kind of. You'll, vibe, you'll you'll hear. Okay. You'll hear. I can't really. It's hard to. He takes ownership of. Yeah. Of the yeah. Tune. And then, <laughs> and then towards the end of the track, you'll hear uh, part of Victor Lewis's "Hey, It's Me You're Talking To." Yeah. And then we kind of revisit it again later on in the record. Um, where the title Haze comes from is <laughs> when we were in the studio and uh, the engineer asked what the next song was, we were like, oh, hey, it's me you're talking to. Yeah. And he thought we said Haze, <laughs> like H-A-Z-E. 
haze haze me or something like it was yeah it was haze me, <laughs> haze me. yeah yeah <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and funny. so and so we decided to call that one uh, haze. haze that's yeah. great yeah that's great <laughs> and it's actually kind of fitting for the song for the track you'll hear it's a little hazy in there mm-hmm. yeah that's dope yeah then you um, get into one of Oren Evans' compositions called the L.E.J. Yeah. What does that st- What does that stand for? So the the full title of the song is "Don't Fall Off the L.E.J." or "Don't Fall Off the Ledge." Oh. L.E.J. is an acronym, mm-hmm. and that's all I can. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's "Don't Fall Off the Ledge," and yeah. That that one's kind of self-explanatory mm-hmm. too. Once once you once you hear it, you'll understand. Yeah, what, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's one. Um, that's actually a song that I heard on an Imani Records release. Oh, so keep back that when I back when I was you know first moving to Philly and get like I was just like buying records. It's like if anything was from was like a Philly record. I was just getting it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I knew Oren's name, and it was actually this band of his called Love Park. Oh. Uh, yeah, from from a while ago. And uh, they did that song, and then I heard it, you know, Sean's recorded it. Before. Sean Jones. Yeah, and he does it on, on a lot of shows. Um, and, yeah, so that's the L.E.J. The Philly vibe. Yeah, the Philly vibe indeed. <laughs> Then you get into the fifth track is Punja by Joe Henderson. Yes, what's, yes, yes. What's different about this one? What's different about this one? The tempo is different about this one. Uh, and I think a little slower, right? It's a little slower. And I think that it for me kind of highlights Joe Henderson's amazing way. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he's he's one of one of like our underrated to me composers. Not really. Everybody plays his tunes. Yeah, everyone, yeah. But <laughs> everyone plays, plays that tune. That tune in particular, everyone plays it faster. Yeah. And, yeah. And when you say that, you it allows you to hear his right the mastery of his writing. Yeah. You slowing it down, you can actually hear the chord changes yeah. a little bit more. And with the with our instrumentation, one of the one of the things I love is kind of like a lot of the implied harmony that happens mm-hmm. you know and i think that at a slower tempo more people can do that mm-hmm. you know you can like kind of use your imagination you know and it, it has kind of like this sort of like meditation sort of thing yeah you know um a friend of mine was listening to it she's like you know I could smoke some weed to this. Yeah, it's <laughs> like that's, I could do some yoga. To yeah, this, I could, know? I could, I could see, I could see this being like the end of the day song. It's like, oh yeah, I guess that's yeah, that's, got the, that's a vibe for sure. Um, so the next track is, I read it and I'm like, I want to be like Pondicherry, <laughs> but it's <laughs> but it's Pondicherry. Yes, yes, it is. So this is. Um, <laughs> Pondicherry is one of three interludes uh, on the record, and that's this is where the last special guest comes in, who is Matthew Evans, Oren's son. Oh. He's a he's a producer, and he's been doing some things on Oren's records uh, for the past few years. And he's he writes a little bit and he plays some guitar, but he's really into like kind of creating these soundscapes and these different sort of mm-hmm. 
experiences, for lack of a better term. So um, one of the songs that we did on that last session was Pure Imagination. Um, it was actually an arrangement of a good friend of mine, Adam Falk. And uh, it was okay, you know, yeah. um, but we weren't super in love with it. And also in this kind of like in the BGO world, there's a lot of pure imagination happening. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in the world of like, you know, that kind of listening. Um, so we decided to not include it. Right. Uh, but we had always intended on giving Matthew something to mm-hmm. to contribute. What's you know? the So what's the vibe on that? So it's like, so basically what Matthew did, Matthew took like, about a minute and a half of the recording and then just like deconstructed it oh. with like adding things, taking things out, you know, reverb. And oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that, so I was, um, as I was reading a little further in depth, like I mean, like we've known each other for a while, but mm-hmm. when I was reading further in depth on your project, um, it had said that your influences on this record and you in particular is jazz gospel hip-hop r&b and house and yes. i thought that i'd never read that is that where that kind of comes into play no no, well, no i haven't listened true. to it yeah yet, yeah, so. yeah yeah no the uh <laughs> the the house music is is somewhere else it's somewhere else it's somewhere okay else. you're gonna let me know when we get there <laughs> no okay no i'm not gonna let you're you not know. gonna let me know <laughs> But we, I mean, we could talk about house music. We could definitely talk about house music. But I, I, I'd like for you to be surprised. Okay. At the the house music inclusion. Ah. (laughs) Um, Okay. But this is this is not it. This is more. You know what this is? This is more, um, like, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to. It's not like he he's not DJing. You know, and he's not like he's not building a track. Got it. He's just like doing something to the track. Mm-hmm. You know, and we call it a soundscape. Soundscape. You know. Okay. And it's just like kind of like a listening experience for a few seconds. Mm-hmm. Kind of like it's kind of like a palate cleanser. It's kind of giving some sh- like giving an electronic side to the album that I really wanted oh, to make wow. sure was That's there. That's dope. I don't think you I've ever. I mean? I mean, I haven't heard anything anyone do anything like that. Yeah. But. It's, I'm not saying that no one is, right, but I right. haven't heard that on an album. Yeah. So that's it, pretty cool. And it also gives it interludes, which is all another thing that I really wanted to include. Just mm. like, again, just kind of trying to give somebody a listening experience as opposed to just like hearing my songs. Right. Dope. Yeah. Dope. The seventh track is It's Me, which is a composition by the three of you. Cool. Collectively. So, Yes and no. <laughs> yes, it is because it's the track is actually ninety five percent improvisation, right? Yeah, you know what I mean? and then at the end of the tune, we play a piece of Victor Lewis's "Hey, It's Me You're Talking the To." The reprise. Yeah, we play like when you hear "Hey's," you'll hear a part of it, and then when you hear "It's Me," you'll hear another part of it. Yeah. You don't ever hear the whole melody, mm. but you'll hear, you know. And that, man, that is just like... That's dope. That track is just... 
there's two tracks. L.E.J. is kind of like this too at some point, but like yeah. it's just like. But swinging, that's cool because you know? then you're beyond perfecting a moment in the studio. You're creating. Yeah. A moment. Exactly. Which is what happens live. Mm-hmm. 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 So you you had you bring that live aspect into the album. Right. And that genuine and realness. And I found that like. As I was like going through takes to find like the cleanest head and and all this, I was like, man, <laughs> like if we're just looking for a clean head to get to the improvisation that we know was really great. I mean, hey, it's me you're talking to. I could say is one of the signature tunes of that group. Mm-hmm. Like you know, we could. It's like the theme. Yeah, it's a theme. You know, and it's it's really it can like kind of like be a winding road with us you know mm-hmm. we could, we could take you down a real real nice trap and that's kind of, I feel like it happens on this where we're like we're taking you somewhere and then you're like whoa you just left me here <laughs> <laughs> you know so it, it kind of it, it kind of um <clears throat> kind of goes that way so i'm i'm actually really happy that that's it came out the way it did mhm then you got shopkeeper right so that is the second of the interludes, right? And so the song, the interludes is based off of is Pure Imagination, which is from um, Charlie and the Chalk Factory, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I decided to name the three after characters from the movie that I thought oh, were interesting. Oh, you know? clever. So uh, Pondicherry is a character from from the story about that's the one who wanted his castle built in chocolate and oh. then when the sun came out it melted All right shopkeeper <laughs> is the only black character in the whole movie <laughs> and he doesn't get a name that's like his listing terrible. on i'm you know his listing in the credits is shopkeeper. shopkeeper everybody else has a name everyone else in the movie has a name except for the shopkeeper so that's where that one came yeah, from. Yeah. And then Augustus Gloop is the last one and we'll get to that in a second. But that's that's yeah. kind of that's where the where that comes from, you know. So then after that, it's another collective experience, yeah, with mm-hmm. Not Goodbye. Not Goodbye. Not Goodbye is oh man, it's it's an interesting song because again, it's kind of like we're taking we've taken the framework of a few different songs and we're just like kind of pouring them all together mm-hmm. um, it's a ballad and it's uh, I say not goodbye because it could be a breakup song it could be a like a song for like losing someone mm-hmm. to death you know yeah but also it could be about you know like leaving summer camp and like the girl that you made out with for the past two years every summer you're never going to see each other again you know what I mean yeah 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 so like it doesn't have to be like it's not sad that's why it's not goodbye yeah you know it's like no I mess with you like I'd love to see you again yeah if I could you know and it also for me like it's a nice slow jam. Like mm. it's like the slow jam of the joint. Ooh. Where it like Punjab is slow and it's got a vibe. Not goodbye is a slow jam. Mm. Yeah. So you're gonna that's the one you put on when you're with mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that special. Song. Right, right, right. Or you can when say When you're trying to create a moment. When you're trying to create a moment, <laughs> you know, you're not trying to say goodbye to somebody. Yeah. You know It's like we here. <laughs> we here, it's we... not goodbye. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh man. After, so after after the vibe, mm-hmm. you got Gloop, which is which is the third the and third final, kid. yes, like soundscape thing. Yeah. Nice. Then you get back into your roots mm-hmm. once again, as you did in the beginning with Wade in the Water. Yeah. So Wade in the Water, man. Oh man, that is. Uh, uh, I think that growing up in the United States of America as the son of two Haitian immigrants has been a very interesting experience. Mm-hmm. And so Wade in the Water is an interesting song for me um, because it kind of, it helps me to kind of navigate my experience as the son of a, of two Haitian immigrant parents mm-hmm. growing up in the States as a black man. I learned the song like through the educational system. And then as I grew older, went to college, got out of college, and was really experiencing life even more so when I left New England and in Philadelphia, um, experiencing life a little bit more clearly as you know a black person here. Mm. And understanding what that song meant to the people who wrote it and sang it, you know, it's like, man. And the reason why. And the reason why they sang it, you know. I was like, man, this is some real black shit. Yeah. And. um, The arrangement. Yeah. So the arrangement um, is really really sort of uh, a tribute to the ancestors and a tribute to the tradition. the introduction is uh, I play parts of the melody of Lift Every Voice and Sing, mm. and then part of the melody of this uh, Haitian traditional traditional song called Kote Munyo, which wow. is like a rallying cry for uh, for us as Haitians. Um, everybody knows that you start singing and everybody goes nuts. Yeah. You know, it's kind of sort of that th- sort of thing. And um, both of those songs uh, have really big impacts on me, like post eighteen. Like being a black person and like kind of opening my eyes or my eyes being opened to some things that for better or worse, I didn't experience, you know, partly because my parents wanted me to grow up without any prejudices as much as they could. Mm -hmm. And also just because they were experiencing life as immigrants, as black immigrants and not necessarily black Americans. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, So the idea that like, you know, I could play Cotimunio and lift every voice and sing and like with intention was really important to me. Yeah. And then we got into wade in the water and it's just like, you know, we're we're trying to trouble that water. We're, you know, yeah. there's there's like a there's a very strong undercurrent of blackness on that track. Yes. And I really, really love it. On the whole album, really, <laughs> but that that in particular. Yeah, for sure. That's a really special moment. Mm-hmm. And the last track is James Williams. Jazz standard ish, oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> Alter ego, yes. Alter ego. Which and Mel's on that track too. Right? Melanie is on that track. I never as well. heard lyrics to that song until I went oh, to heard that There's one. always been lyrics to that song. I didn't know that. So one of I think it's the original uh, recording is of James Williams and this group, this vocal group that he used to uh, direct called the Intensive Care Unit. And, <laughs> yeah. Do you know uh, Miles Griffith? 
I'd, Have you heard of Miles? Griffin? Oh, yes. Yeah, he's so, a vocalist. Yeah, yes, so yes, Miles yes, used yes. to sing. Yes, with, go check him out if you haven't yes, heard Miles do. Griffin. Yes. Please do. And so, yeah, that's where the lyrics come from. Um, it's really interesting. And, you know, uh, this is this song I first heard in New York through with was Roy Hargrove. Mm. And in, in the same week, I played it with Mel. And then about five days later, I was uh, teaching at LIU Brooklyn when I first came here. I was like helping out. Oh, okay. And that was one of the songs that the ensemble was playing was Alter Ego. Uh-huh. And so I was like, okay, this is a sign. I need to learn this song. And it's, you know, it's not like that. It's not like a bunch of changes or anything. So it's like, what am I learning? You know? Yeah. So I learned the lyrics and I learned, you know, Learned, learned it. Mel sings in a key. It's in a different key. So I learned, mm-hmm. it, you know, a bunch, bunch of different things. And um, I'm so glad that this is on the album. That's I'm so, so, so it's glad. Cool. It's cool. I got a chance album. to hear that one because yeah. you posted it on SoundCloud. SoundCloud, yeah. indeed. Indeed, yeah. Yeah. So you producing and, or Oren produced it, but you putting this album out mm-hmm. and in the past, Eight years since you've been in New York, you really be. I feel like you've really come into your own as being a band leader. What would you say are your favorite parts of being a band leader? Like, what what do you love about it? Because we all know, like, everyone's like, oh, being a band leader, you got to do X, Y, and Z. You got to. There's that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but like, right. what do you love? I mean, about I that? love, I love it all. I love it all. I get to play with my friends. Hmm. Um, we get to make a little bit of money. Um, I get to work out what's in my head, mm. which is dope, you know, like it's nice to have theories about things, but it's nice to be able to really try it, Yeah, you know? So that's kind of, I guess that's, that's, that's the best part. The best part is that I get to kind of like say, well, I think a show should go this way. Mm-hmm. Well, put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right, so that's right. kind of, that's, I think that's the best part for me. Yeah. Where, so definitely you guys should go and check out this album. It, it, will be, it is available on Apple Music, See? Spotify. See? You can buy it directly from your uh, from CD Baby. From CD Baby. CD Baby, yeah. Cool. Dope. And if you want to follow John Michelle, go and check him out on Instagram. He posts regularly with where he's going to be playing, and that's at J-O-N-M-I-C-H-E-L. And his website is jonathanmichelle.band, which is J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-M-I-C-H-E-L dot B-A-N-D. So... That concludes our episode of The Riff. Thank you so much, John, for being here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. This is fun. And, uh, yeah, check out the record. Check out Imani Records. They've got a few other titles coming out in the next year or so. Um, And your favorite track on the album that you you recommend? Oh, track number one. Track number one. For sure. Thanks again, and we're signing out. Peace. Peace. See you next time.
tellement j'aime le bois. Je ne 